We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? First game watching the Nets in Australia, Nick. One win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stay here if we keep doing this. Yeah, Jack, you probably can't leave. So <laughs> we're going to need you to stay over there. I'm sorry to your girlfriend, but Jack needs to stay in Australia. <laughs> it's for the Nets. All yeah, for the Nets. At least for the rest of the season. Then, you know, you can go back in the summertime, but you got to be back for next year. Sounds good. But uh, talking, you knew the Nets won 111-104 over the Magic. Third time to beat the Magic this season. Three and two in their last five games. You know, the Magic did arrest a couple of guys. They're into tanking, whatever. But the Nets will take a win whenever they can get it. What were your thoughts on getting that W? The most balanced offense we've had all season, Nick. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, one of his best games with that triple-double. He seems to have a lot of really great performances in team losses. But it was good to see him have a real effect on, on the entire team and, and on the win. You know, he was absolutely crucial. And, you know, some of the some of the highlights that Nick posted and some of the highlights that, you know, we were talking about while um, the game was on was just simply outstanding. It was just uh, an awesome game from Dealer. Really felt really felt good for him. And um, that rubber band, it looked good. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure why everyone was hating on it. It looked like Michael B. Jordan in, um, in, in Black Panther. He was rocking it. Yeah, whatever does, you know, whatever floats his boat. If he plays that well, he can definitely keep it in all season long. Like you said, team effort, though. Seven guys had 13 points or more. You know, it's nice to see when it's not just one guy dominating. It's rare we've seen guys all have pretty good games this season. It's felt like it's been like, all right, D'Angelo's having a huge game or all right, Rondé's having a huge game or Karras. Not all at the same time. It was nice to see a lot of guys can contribute all in one win. It was huge. And, you know, we talked about the guys. Karras LeVert, 16.6 assists. Jared Allen, 15 and 8. Uh, Tamara Carroll, nice double-double, 14 and 12. Rondé, 14 and 9. Joe Harris, 14 and 4. Alan Crabb, 13 points. The flow of the offense just worked perfectly. This is just the Nets performance that you want to see. From a team that lacks real superstar talent, 
probably obviously D'Angelo Russell and Rondé and, and maybe Rondé, but um, Karras and Jarrett have that ability, but they're obviously not there yet. They're still very young. It was good to see just everyone contributing from our bench unit to our starting unit. Yeah, agreed. And it was the passing. You know, there was some good ball movement. It was very crisp. D'Angelo did a great job sometimes getting the ball off the floor really quickly. led to some fast break points or some mismatches. But let's talk about D'Angelo's game. For me, it was probably one of my favorite games of his of the season. Like you said, under control, really great passing. I think some of the passes, and somebody mentioned this on Twitter, he has a ton of highlight passes, and they just look so easy because of the way he kind of passes the ball. But they're really difficult, especially some of those bounces we saw last night. The bounce passes, that mini bounce pass to Jared Allen was absolutely scintillating. That, Beautiful. That, that through the, the, the pass to Rondé, that was just an absolute bullet. Like you, and I think you posted on Twitter, it was like, ISO, ISO, or, or it was or Anthony Puchel, it was like, ISO, ISO, bullet pass. It's like he sort of lured the defense, and then he just knew that pinpoint moment. Like there was only probably a millisecond to make that pass, and he made it, and obviously Rondé finished. Just some of the highlights from him were just awesome, and I think the control that he had, he knew when to push the pace. He knew when to sl- slow it down. And he only had two turnovers. You know, obviously early in the season, that was a, a real sort of key focus for him to sort of, you know, maintain those low turnover numbers. Two turnovers tonight, I'll take that any day of the week with a guy like Dealer, especially if he's making those sort of fancy passes. Um, for me, his best game of the season, you could say, you know, the triple-double, he's had higher scoring performances. But we were talking um, off the pod. His plus minus, which can be obviously a skewed stat, but when it comes to the starters, and for me, a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who has been starting and who has been playing against good units, you know, he had a plus 11, you know, the second highest other than Damari Carroll at the end of the night. Showed he had an impact on the floor and on the win as much as anyone apart from Damari. So great game by D'Lo. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't like some of the games we've seen from in the past where he, you know, kind of has one terrible quarter and one really good quarter. It was kind of more balanced. One thing he's done probably this month in general, I think that's been great, is spending more time in the paint. And that's not necessarily taking more shots. It's just kind of penetrating, setting up his team. One thing he's done, I mentioned this on Twitter before too, kind of similar to what Joe Johnson used to do, is take a smaller guard and put him on his hip. You know, get in that position where it kind of is easier. They have to commit to either D'Angelo's floater or they have to commit to Jared Allen catching the alley-oop. So I think kind of working the system, getting a better feel for his teammates. You know, there was a great article out this week, and it kind of talked about D'Angelo want to be a net for life and kind of fitting the system a little bit more, understanding it a little bit more. And I think just knowing his teammates, you know, for longer in the season, it's kind of helped with the chemistry as well. Yeah, I think chemistry is the number one thing that you just mentioned there, Nick. It takes it takes a long time to develop that camaraderie, that chemistry. He's had that injury, obviously. Yep. You know, there's only a finite amount of time you can do in preseason. On-court time is where you build that team chemistry. And because Dealer's missed some time, and obviously Karras has missed some time, you know, Coach Kenny's playing some, um, you know, his units that he's been playing, his rotations have been, you know, a bit mixed-matched at times. I think what we have now with our rotation is is one that we could see definitely going forward for a long time. I really like sort of Spencer Dinwiddie running the unit by himself and then Karis Levert and D'Lo together because both of those guys have both of those guys have the ability to play off the ball and the ability to create off the dribble. You know, um, I think Karis Levert last night had a couple like you know dribble um, dribble pull ups, not just from from two but from three, and he looked really nice from there. And I think it was uh, it was one of the the next guys on Twitter. It might have been um, the Flatbush and Atlantic guy. He had the fact that if he can start nailing that from like 38 to 40%, that's going to make him an absolute threat and really hard to guard. So, you know, I'm really liking what Coach Kenny's doing and it's just being reflective of, you know, the trust and, and sort of the performance that he's getting from his guys as well. 
Yeah, moving over to Karis a bit, like I think, you know, obviously I think becoming a sta- uh, catch and shoot three point shooter is something he's able to do. I think for him, the real question is becoming, you know, that off the dribble three shooter. And I think that'd be a game changer for him, especially with the way he can work in the pick and roll with Jared Allen, his interior passing, that floater we've seen from him, a pull up game from him would definitely be deadly with some of the moves we've seen him kind of put on players this year, especially bigs. Nick, is he a starter next year? Um, I think a lot depends on the offseason, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was starting because the Nets seem to be very fond of him from any type of report or sources we've seen on Nets Daily as well. He's one of the untouchables on the team, so I think the goal for him would be to start. And I think it's a real possibility because one thing else I love about Karras is the way he kind of attacks offensively. I think there might have been a play or two where he took off. Next next time out, I think Kenny had him pick up uh, maybe DJ Augustine or Mac, you know, full court, the whole thing, and it kind of ended up forcing a turnover. He got a deflection. I know he leads the next, Nets in deflections. He's probably, like, top three in steals if I had a guess off the top of my head. So I think that defensive potential is something we could really see and kind of put him in that starting lineup. If he could start to lock guys down, especially with D'Angelo, we know he's never going to be a full stopper. If they can kind of pair him with a Lavert and Crab, who's really improved defensively as well, I think that'd be a nice like combo to kind of protect Elo. Oh yeah, the yin and yang there would just be absolutely awesome. You know, it wouldn't necessarily mean Delo could sort of you know get lazy and sag on defense, but it, it allows sort of Karras to sort of develop himself in a, in a way. And Alan Crab showed some nice things. I really like that sort of one, two, three, ten. I think it could be really good. And, you know, whether you're starting Damari at the four, Rondé at the four, does Rondé come off the bench? And then Jared Allen um, at the five, that's a nice, that's a really nice lineup. And I think we get a lot out of that lineup. You know, give Spencer Dinwiddie a sort of role with that sort of second unit. And, you know, you can stagger the minutes with him and Dilo because I, I like the way Spencer Dinwiddie works with Karras. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be experimentation going forward with how Spencer works with Dilo. But they are sort of ball-heavy sort of guards. They can be in ways. So they're sort of don't complement each other as nicely. But I think there's going to be games where, you know, their roles are going to complement each other. Um, but at this stage right now, I think, you know, the chemistry going forward and, and the camaraderie and sort of how they balance each other out in terms of their game styles, that could be a, certainly a way going forward. Karis yeah. I'm definitely, yeah, definitely be watching that space. And I would not be surprised either if he was like a six-man type player either because he does bring some great energy. Him and Rondé just have like a feel when they're in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they want to do that and keep crabbing the starting lineup type of thing and Carroll at the three because I know Carroll's talked about really wanting to play the three. But obviously, this is all hypothetical because we have no idea what's going to happen in the offseason. You know, guys could be moved. Carroll could be moved. Lynn could be moved. We haven't really mentioned him much. But like I've mentioned on previous pods, he's still a good player. Oh, definitely, Nick. Um, the Jeremy Lynn, we, we, we didn't even mention in the conversation about the fact that could he be starting? I mean, Joseph Sy obviously is going to have a huge affiliation with him. Um, having that sort of connection, um, that, that overseas connection. And obviously, it's he's, he's a huge marketing piece for, for the Brooklyn Nets with D'Angelo Russell, probably our two most marketable guys. Um, Jared Allen certainly will be, will be taking that mantle soon enough with that gorgeous throw of his. <laughs> but um, A stat I saw on um, the ESPN recap, Nick, is the fact that the Nets bench averaged 43.7 points. It's second in the NBA. Uh, we scored 39 against the Orlando last night. Where does this bench obviously rank in the NBA today? I know the Raptors is probably, for me, the number one one. But because the Nets, and, and I guess it's sort of a virtue to the, of the fact that we don't have great starters talent, that our bets obviously gives us a heap of juice when it comes in. Um, where does it rank in the NBA? Is it the top three? Is it the top five for you? 
I think honestly, it really, I'd have to see it in a winning situation where we'd have better starters yeah. because sometimes yeah. you see some of these bench guys play just as many minutes as the starters. Like we've seen nights where Joe Harris has played more minutes than the starters. Same thing with Levert, same thing with Dinwiddie. So like right now, I mean, I think they have some really nice talent on their bench, but just like many, you know, young teams, I think it's very inconsistent. You know, some nights they'll come out and they'll put up a huge numbers and they won't have turnovers and be super efficient. Other nights they may put up 40 points, but they may, you know, put that with 12 turnovers and a 38% shooting percentage. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. the consistency, it's real, like it's, it's, I think it's a lot tougher to gauge, you know, teams that are below average, you know, the Nets aren't great right now with NBA teams that are winning because there's different situations, different types of pressure. And you could probably be like, you know, the Nets have had bench guys get garbage points, you know, where they're just getting in there and kind of boosting their stats a little bit because the Nets are down. It's not like they've been blown out a ton this season, but there's still been opportunities like that. So I think it's kind of tough to gauge. I mean, talent-wise, they definitely have some really nice pieces. If they were to keep Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert on the bench and Joe Harris, I think that's a really good one, two, three type of like bench unit. It's that four, five, you know, like Cunningham has been good, but like looking at his track record, he's not that great of player in the NBA, like not taking anything away from him. He's pretty much, you know, a solid NBA player. He's nobody's going to be like, oh my God, Dante Cunningham. I think that lap, lack of like big on the bench really hurts the unit overall. It does. But Dante Cunningham did also start from the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, so I guess there's, it's, it's situational, like you mentioned, but the fact that you know, Nick, just their boys and girls, everyone listening, you know, provides a very nuanced uh, take on the on the Nets bench. We aren't just homers here. We do love our Nets, but we're going to be real about it. But Nick, for me, the key last night, as well as our, you know, balanced offense, you know, our defense was good, um, especially in that sort of fourth quarter where we sort of locked down the magic for a, for a period. But our key was, in the past, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic have had huge games against us. And Vucevic was still quite good. But we were able to sort of still get the ascendancy on the rebounds and get to the free throw line a lot. Did you see that in a similar way? Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, getting to the free throw line is a really important thing for the Nets in general. It just kind of shows them being aggressive, especially when you have guys like Rondé or Herky Jerky. D'Angelo got to the line a little bit, like I said, working the paint. Jared Allen's a guy who I think could spend more time at the free throw line in the future, especially offensive rebounding wise. I mean, some of it, I think, was the fact that, you know, defensively, the Magic just weren't very good last night. You know, they just they weren't putting in a ton of effort, but I, I would have to be very happy with that one thing that stuck out to me, though, was the turnovers, even though the yeah. Magic didn't play great defense. Nine turnovers is still really good for the Nets because we've seen them turn the ball over probably 15 times with the defense doing nothing. <laughs> you know, we're just throwing the ball out of bounds or missing a guy in a pass. So getting nine turnovers, I felt like was a really big stat for the team. They didn't beat themselves. No, definitely. And nine turnovers and 28 assists. So I'll take that ratio any day of the week. It just showed that. The, the balance and the sort of, you know, the, the composure that the Nets showed. This was one of the more composed games I've seen from the Nets this year. You know, we've had our moments where we've been a bit haphazard, a bit streaky. But I think, you know, um, I think the the competition, obviously the Magic themselves, they have a, a few sort of good players. You know, you, you go to Vucevic, you know, uh, DJ Augustin's a, a sort of ready-made NBA player. And obviously Aaron Gordon, a guy who we could be targeting in the offseason. But overall, I'm back in the Nets' talent every day of the week against this Magic team. So I think we were able to sort of take an advantage and go, look, we've got these guys. You know, it wasn't against. We didn't have to play above ourselves in that sense. We played to our level and sort of took it to the next level and go, okay, we're better than these guys. Let's show it. Let's prove our our, our worth. And, and I think we did that. Um, and then some. Yeah, and to touch on your point about the defense they had on Aaron Gordon and Vujicic, uh, Gordon, I felt like Rondé did a better job. I felt like he finally felt like he had an idea 
of what Gordon was trying to do out there. Where the other games, he kind of looked confused and just was kind of unsure about his game because Gordon's changed so much. And I felt like he did a really good job kind of getting him under control. And then when he really tried to attack him on the paint one play, I think Rondé just kind of took a step back, forced him into a travel. That's just something you an experience you get from playing that player. Like he just understood what Gordon was trying to do in that situation. Luchich, like he's just a tough matchup. He's a tough matchup for the Nets right now with Jared Allen yeah. not having the size. But he did a pretty good job. You know, it's not like he locked him down or anything. He got his, but it really didn't impact the game in the sense where the Nets were in control most of the time. Yeah, and a shout-out to uh, James Herbert, who had a great piece on CBS Excellent. Sports. Jared Allen, um, absolutely awesome one. I'll definitely be adding him once we get this podcast out because it was just a really, really nice in-depth piece about Jared Allen, not only the basketball, but the person and sort of the lead-up to him. So I definitely recommend everyone check that out. Check out his Twitter page. I'm sure we'll, um, I'll tweet it out as well, actually, for everyone as well. Um, but I think, yeah, Jared Allen has had an absolutely great season. Um, his you know, development has been out of sight. But, yeah, you mentioned the rebounding and, and the, the overall defense. Um, talking about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, uh, our boy, Corey, at K-Wall Hoops, I posted out that, that poll uh, that got a bit of traction last night about whether Nets fans would rather have Aaron Gordon or Javario Parker. And, of course, Aaron Gordon got most of the love just because well, he's a better player. But Corey posted a nice little you know, question in relation to that is that, what did the Nets do with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson if that were to happen? Now, this is obviously a hypothetical, Nick, and we, we might have touched on it somewhat. We have touched on the fact is what is Rondé's future. But if we were to get a free agent, that leaves his future as a starter even more in doubt. Where do you think that you know, the Nets go if we were to get a big sort of uh, four or five as a free agent? Yeah, uh, just one thing. I got an inside source telling me that uh, a Nets fan talked to Corey about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson yesterday. But, you know, I'll leave that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hyping him up, and uh, he gave me a 4-15 game, but oh well. So at least Corey did show him some respect on Twitter. Uh, I think it's tough. You know, like I've mentioned to you, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of going after Aaron Gordon or Jabari Parker. I know a lot of Nets fans like, you know, let's just get some talent in here. But yeah. I still am like long-term approaches. Like I'm not sure how well they really fit with the team. Gordon, like how good can he really be? He has his flaws in his game. Consistency is an issue. But we've also seen Orlando players leave and have a lot of success. Jabari's just kind of like a real big risk with the knee. You know, you have no idea, obviously. And we mentioned on here before some of the issues. Unless it was a really good four, like I'm, I'm not really like I, I want to upgrade. If I'm like getting a player, I want a real upgrade over Rondé. And I'm not saying you, you know Parker and Gordon wouldn't be an upgrade, but I want a real upgrade. Like I'm not trying to like throw all my money for guys that I'm not sure or even all star players. When I have Rondé, who is possibly an above average starter, and like we've seen on Twitter before, people mention he his game's improving. He improved a lot in this off season. He went from no offensive game to having a post game, having a little mid range game. His passing's improved. One thing I've said to you before. I'd like to see the playmaking and maybe the handling clean up. If he can't add that three-point shot, I think there's other aspects he can improve. So it's like I'm not trying to spend money or put you know put myself in a situation where I'm like limiting myself. When I have Rondé, who is serviceable definitely as a starter for now, unless there's somebody out there who's like, okay, we can't miss on this guy. Like he, you know, it's like a top five, top ten power forward or something who's really going to improve the team in a way that Rondé can't. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. And, you know, I, I ranked the three prospects and one day for me was second because, you know, you got Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker's injury history is very questionable. His defense is even more questionable. But I think Rondé, we, we've made this comparison before in terms of how Draymond Green has found success in that Golden State Warriors lineup. He's the fourth option. If Rondé can be our fourth option and be like a really glued defensive guy, you mentioned that passing game, 
developed somewhat of a three-point shot. I'm still not confident in Draymond Green's three-point shot, especially when you know Steph Curry or KD aren't out there. I, I don't trust it. But if, if it, it can at least be passable for Rondé, similar to what Draymond Green is, then that's his perfect role going forward. And you know that's not necessarily a, a max guy or a number one guy, but I think that's perfect in, in, in the net system. And I think the Nets value internal development in a similar way to what the Golden State Warriors have done. They draft all those guys. They drafted Steph, Clay, and Draymond. You know, obviously, Katie took them to the next level. But you know, you look at their our sort of young core: Rondé, D'Lo, and Karras, and Jared Allen this year. You know, that's a core that you can develop around going forward. Now, and I think the Nets really value that sort of internal, that player development, that player culture. That I think you know they're they're not going to be given away for nothing. One thing that Draymond does really well, and Rondé does well, and that's bring the ball up to court. You know, for yeah. off the rebound, kind of picking up that pace, getting the defense and mismatches, I think that makes a big difference, and that's kind of an underrated aspect of his game. We saw Trevor Booker do that a lot. It's nice to see Rondé do that. And like you said, three-point shot's going to be big for his game. I, I'm all about keeping the cap space open, and this has been mentioned on Twitter, and I've kind of thought this way before. Like, like you said, that young core is really starting to pick up. Brooklyn's a big-time place to play. Like, you come to Brooklyn, and you're a great player. You have a legacy, and, like, you're the first great player that played in Brooklyn. Like, no offense to Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson. You know, I don't even want to say Darren Williams. Like, <laughs> no offense to those guys, but, like, they didn't really do anything. Like, nobody's been to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Nets. No one's had a finals appearance with the Nets since New Jersey. Like, you come to Brooklyn, you can be the man of Brooklyn, and I think that's something that is attractive to free agents. So I'm trying to sit on that cap space and let the Nets look like a great opportunity for a star player to come to at some time. Now, it, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, LeBron James or – Anthony Davis or somebody but if they can get like an all-star like somebody like a Jimmy Butler like I'm not saying that exact player but kind of along those lines where he can really impact the team and take them to another level yeah definitely and I think it's it's attractive to especially those sort of young up-and-coming all-stars Nick because yes. the older players have, have just been raving about coach Kenny and um and Sean Marks's culture and, and what they're developing there and obviously you know, everyone has great facilities, but, you know, our facilities overlooking Prospect Park and out there in Brooklyn, it's one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. And if I'd, I'd pay to play ball there rather than getting paid to play <laughs> ball there, that's for sure. So I think, yeah, Rondé and, and just the, the, the core that we have going forward is going to be really interesting. And I think that the Nets development is going to be a key part of that. But also Sean Marks is going to have a, a very interesting offseason, as we've mentioned a, a few times. But you know, going forward, Nick, we've got a couple more games left. Can we reach that 30 mark? Is it two out of reach? Uh, yeah, right I, now, I think it probably is as well. Yeah, I think uh, they'd have to almost be undefeated. And they have to yeah. face some teams that are going to be really clawing for a playoff spot like the Bucks and the Heat. I mean, if they, I mean, it's not impossible. Like, I'm not going to say they can't have it because D'Angelo said after the game they'd like to put some wins together and kind of build that momentum for next year. And a young team, if there's one thing you can see, I mentioned, you know, three and two in their last five, which is positive is kind of like a nice boost for the team and they kind of start to play at another level and they start to buy in defensively. I think defensively is like where this team can really make a jump this offseason. Some of that alone is just going to come with physical growth. We've mentioned it like a hundred times on this podcast. We haven't even have a hundred episodes. D'Angelo, <laughs> Karis LeVert, Rondé, Jared Allen, Dinwiddie to an extent, all putting on muscle, being able to defend a little bit better. It should help on the boards too. And also I think just like the chemistry, buying to the sense like, all right, if I help out like, you know, my teammate, like somebody's going to help out and get my guy. Like, I think at times, like the Nets are almost scared to help because they don't believe in the rotations. Kind of building on those rotations and that defensive chemistry will be big for next season. Oh, yeah, it'll be huge. And Nick, just one that I'm sure plenty of Nets fans want to know about. 
Does D'Angelo bring back the rubber band for the next game? He played so well with it. It's got to come back. I want it back. Bring back Scrunchy D'Lo. I agree. I think Scrunchy D'Lo is, should, should finish out the season. Especially if he plays really well. That should be his like new thing. Next thing you know, you'll see a whole bunch of kids at summer camps wearing scrunchies. Scrunchies and afros, man. I feel like that's, that's going to be a good look. Anthony Davis has already posted on Twitter that he wants to shave his eyebrow. You know, I feel like we should put we should post a post a poll. Does D'Lo bring back the scrunchie? I feel like I might have to put that. I up. think you should. I think uh, Nets. You know, they might not win. You know, be the best team in the league this year, but they could be in contention for all hair team. You know, oh, D'Angelo, Jared Allen, even Rondé, Damari Carroll, Jeremy Lin. Even though he's injured, like some real underrated guys on the squad on the hair game. The hair game is is as out of sight. You know, um, I think Joe Harris needs to clean up a little bit. Uh, I'm not, not, I mean, uh, because I love him so much, I need him to sort of, you know, bring it up a little bit. He's got the potential to have some Gordon Hayward-esque looks about him in terms of, you know, how he frames his face. Because very handsome man, very awesome bucket getter. But, you know, to take it to the next level, to, you know, have that sort of, that Brooklyn swag. I reckon Joe maybe Harris maybe a bit. Beard, yeah, beard would be nice. You know, beard Joe him. Harris. Yeah, uh, but there's uh, plenty of potential, not only on the court for our boys, but off the court as well. Exactly. And I mean, living in Brooklyn, there's a lot of opportunity. Getting back to the basketball a little bit, though, Jack, are you concerned with Spencer Dinwiddie at all? Like, you know, confident-wise, you can kind of see him out there. He just doesn't look the same. He was out there in portions of the game. He was just super quiet. Do you think, you know, the fact he's coming off the bench has, you know, impacted him? Or is it just kind of confidence losing it in his jump shot? It just hasn't been the same. What do you think is the issue for Spencer right now? I think it's an adjusting role, Nick. Um, I think he's he's had a he, he achieved most of his success early in the season. You know, going to the Skills Challenge as being the Nets' number one guy. He's not that anymore. Um, he's the number one guy off the bench, you could say. But even then, you could say you know, Karis Levert's that guy. Joe Harris has been that guy in terms of his production. But I think Spencer's certainly adjusting to his role, and I think you know he's still impacting the game off ball, which is I think a thing that Spencer doesn't get enough credit for in terms of his, you know, defense, in terms of his ability to sort of, you know, just impact the game in terms of his leadership and his his leadership qualities and just the intangibilities that, you know, he has. Um, you know, he certainly hasn't been putting up the, the lofty numbers that we've seen, but I think he's due for a big game. And I'm sure before the end of the season, we're going to see one or two of those performances from Spencer. Um, you know, there might be some games where Karras gets rested or D'Angelo might get hurt or something. Uh, don't knock say on that, wood. Jack. Don't say knock, that. Knock on wood, knock on wood. <laughs> but, you know, Kenny, Kenny's been known to rest, guys. I, I, should, I should have said resting. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I should, but I should, All Nets Nation is about to <laughs> come no, out there, Jack. I did knock on wood uh, down here in Australia, that beautiful uh, eucalyptus wood out in Australia. So I think, you know, Spencer's due for a, a big performance. I, I'm sure it's going to come. Um, and, and I think at the same time, the fact that we haven't been talking about it shows that it isn't that big of a deal. Um, Spencer's still, you know, uh, in, in his infancy in terms of his NBA experience, and he's going to have those ups and downs, as a lot of our guys are. And I think to overreact to them too much would be, you know, uh, very, um, very irrational. And, and I think you know, he's having his ups and downs, and, and right now just happens to be a bit of a lull in his form. But I'm sure he's going to get back up there because we've seen um, the highest of highs from him. Yeah, I think role is definitely having a big impact on him. You know, going from having the ball, you know, almost 100% of the time and everybody looking for you to make the shot until kind of being like a second option. Because even like you mentioned, Karis LeVert at times has run the offense, especially when Dinwiddie's been kind of cold. I think one area where Dinwiddie's going to kind of improve his game would be 
being more efficient in a smaller role. We've seen him do that in the past. And I think getting that three point shot in the catch and shoot situation where he's like to take a lot of pull ups this year. I think if he worked on that catch and shoot a bit, especially in the corners where he seems to get open because one thing Spencer does do well, like you said, off ball is his basketball IQ kind of finding that open space and kind of rotating offensively to the open area where his teammate can hit him. Definitely. And I think his ability to sort of, you know, space the floor in ways with his dribble and know when to make the right play is one thing that Spencer, you know, we talked about, you know, that um, assist to turnover ratio. I'm sure it'd still be top five in the NBA. Today, yeah, I still think life. it's actually I think it's number one still. And, and that's huge because he still gets, you know, his five assists, five to seven assists almost a night, even in his lesser role because, you know, he's just careful with the ball. He provides something that, you know, uh, that a lot of that Nets guys don't have. You know, D'Lo provides us a unique perspective. Karras provides a unique perspective. And D'Lo does. And, and I'm sorry, Dinwiddie does. They've all got a unique skill set that I think has value to this Nets team going forward. Yeah, it's just all about kind of putting it together and having guys fit into that role. And the Nets yeah. kind of finding out who who's going to fit here and, you know, what guys can we trade and along those lines. So there's definitely, like you said, a lot of questions for Sean Marks, the whole Nets organization, about what they're going to do. But that wraps it up for today. Jack, thank you for hopping on. As always, you can catch the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and now airing on Dash Radio. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.